Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Joy Cooper. Joy has the privilege of sharing her experience surviving a fatal plane crash. When others told her she would never walk again, she proved that she would do more than that. She would dance again. Joy has worked in the airline industry for eight years and continues to work as an airport operations manager for United. The plane crash broke every extremity, threatening to destroy everything she had worked for, but through the grace of God and her determination, She has learned secrets to overcoming the impossible and living a fulfilled life, regardless of the circumstances. And I had the pleasure of meeting Joy at an event that was hosted by my friend, Matt Browning and Jen Koffel. And Joy's story was just so motivating and inspiring that I said, oh my goodness, we definitely want to hear from you on Wickedly Smart Women. So welcome to the show, Joy. Thanks, Angel. It's great being here. Yeah. Well, I think what we want to do, Joy, is we want to talk probably about the plane crash. So, but before we go into that, I'd love to hear about what inspired you to be involved in the airline industry to begin with. Were you the one who played dress up as a flight attendant or dress up as a pilot or dress up as a, as a uh, gate person when you were a kid or what brought you into the airline industry? So my dad brought me into the airline industry, um, kind of a typical story. You know, dad was a great pilot. We also loved watching war movies and especially aviation war movies where, you know, the pilots just did amazing, daring feats. And so in my mind, the best and smartest people were pilots. And so why would I not want to be a pilot? So um, that's what got me into aviation. And I quickly realized that being a pilot was a little bit out of my price range as far as commercial. So I stopped at just my private pilot's license and uh, got into the airline operations realm of the workplace. So I've been working as a dispatcher and a airport controller and now airport operations manager over the last few years, but it's just been amazing. I love it. I love everything about flying and travel and knowing the mechanics of how everything works from how the plane works to how airports work. It's, it's like a big chess game. I love it. All right. Well, tell us, if you would, about this fatal plane crash. Was this a private thing or was this a like, were you on a public transport and had that happened to you? Or why don't you just tell us a little bit more about the story? Yeah, I was uh, I was with my best friend from here in Virginia. So I live and work at the Dulles Airport in Virginia. So uh, she wanted someone to go with her on vacation. 
to Alaska and spend time with her aunt and uncle who had a float plane and we were going to go down to their wilderness property. And of course I was like, Ooh, I'm your friend, please take me. So we went down there and it was just, it was beautiful. They had a float plane. They had property in the middle of absolutely nowhere. It was amazing. No cell service. It was perfect. And it was beautiful and clear. Great trip. Unfortunately on the flight back, all the weather, said everything was fine. We checked it. Visibility was great. But as we started flying back up towards Anchorage, there was a wildfire about 300 miles away, I believe. But the winds had blown the smoke into the mountain passes and we didn't know it. So as we were flying over the mountain, over the lakes, we hit the smoke and it went from one second. Everything was beautiful and clear. And we're looking at whales to, oh my gosh, I don't know what's outside the window. We can't see, we know we're in a mountain path, but we can't turn because we'll hit a mountain. And if we continue, the risk gets greater, but how do we turn around? And so it was it was a good two minutes, which felt like 30 minutes of guys just look out the window and try to see if you could see anything. Like, I don't even know. And thankfully, like he was, the pilot was her uncle and he was an amazing pilot. He'd had multiple hours flying all over the country like super good experience. So I'm just chilling there in the co-pilot seat going, well, let's hope his experience pays off because that would be great right about now. Unfortunately, we were almost back out of the mountain pass and I believe we hit some sort of turbulence because the plane just jumped up in the air. My door flies open. I would grabbed it, slammed it shut. And I'm like, we're almost to Anchorage. I could hold the door shut. It's not a big deal. Uh, The next thing we see is the side of the mountain pretty much. And he pulls the plane up and every pilot knows what a stall feels like. It's when a plane loses all uh, ability to fly. There's no more wind beneath your wings. It's gone. And you kind of get that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach and you practice to avoid those. So when I felt that sinking feeling and I'm like, we're in the middle of a mountain pass at 2000 feet ish. And there's no recovery from this. Like, but at the moment I felt like the presence of the Lord be like, you're going to be okay. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to be okay. And what happened was we basically just did like a 360 loop and crashed right back into the same mountain that we were trying to avoid. And I woke up probably a couple seconds later to the plane in the side of the mountain. And yeah, it was, it was pretty incredible. I learned a lot about the actual crash portion of it after the fact due to investigations and GPS, but it was, it was amazing how all these tiny little things added up to the devastating crash. And unfortunately, the other three, my best friend and her aunt and uncle, they, they all lost their lives in the crash. So you were the only survivor? Is that what happened? Wow. Okay. Well, you know, I think one of the things that I want to do is I want to tie this to, for our listeners, I want to really just pull out of your storyline some things that that are interesting to pay attention to that can apply to other areas of life, right? And one of the things that you just said is a lot of little things, a lot of little things added up that were unexpected, that had a cumulative effect that ultimately ended up leading to the crash. So first of all, condolences to the loss of your friend and her family. And take us now to, you know, here you are in the middle of the wilderness, 
by yourself. Like, tell us more. What the heck happened next? <laughs> so, so I woke up and of course, you know, I'm thinking, oh, everything's going to be okay. We're going to be in Anchorage. And I thought for some reason I was sitting on the living room floor watching We Were Soldiers because again, raised watching war movies. And the view that I had out the cockpit window was dirt and brush. And so I was like, oh, I'm in like, we're in the jungles of Vietnam. We're, we're fighting. And then I'm like, wait a second. Where's Mel Gibson? He's not here. And then that's like what started rattling me out of my my uh, my dreamland. Because I'm like, there's no Mel Gibson. This is not real. I'm in the side of a mountain. Yeah. So I I woke up. I kind of came to the realization. I was like, oh, we crashed into the side of the mountain, didn't we? Or we crashed somewhere. Like I at the moment, I wasn't 100 percent sure where we were at, but I could hear the the sharp beeping of the emergency beacon. So I was like, okay that's going off. That's good. That means somebody's going to hear it. It's going to take them a while to get out here because I don't know exactly where we're at, but I know we're nowhere close to civilization, especially no, no rescue groups. So I thought, okay, well, we were flying over the top of a highway also. So I thought, well, if I can get out of the plane, I could scoot down to the highway, probably get some help, get somebody up here because the pilot was still conscious at the time. So I tried getting out of the plane and I quickly realized that my elbow was completely shattered. It kind of swung around like a pendulum, but uh, you don't know that your nerves still work. So I actually used my bad arm and my hands to climb up the windshield and over and around like the framework to try to pull myself up on my half busted elbow. And I did that four times before realizing that I was not going to get out of the plane. Uh, There was no, no movement. There wasn't a whole lot of bleeding as far as I could tell. So I wasn't terribly concerned. And again, I knew it was going to take a couple hours. So I did everything I could to assess who and what I could. And of course, I immediately found out that the two in the back, honestly, they didn't even know what hit them. They, it was, there could be a blessing out of that. It would be that they didn't even know. Like we had the best weekend of our, well, my, and probably my best friend's life, just so peaceful and beautiful. And then the next second, you just don't know, but they didn't have to suffer at all. So I did everything that I could, I couldn't do anything. And so I thought, you know what, when the guys get here, I need to be 150% ready to do whatever I can do. And as strong as I possibly can, because it's going to be tough. So I took a nap until the helicopter woke me up, which was about three, four hours later. So the uh, Alaska Air National Guard pararescuers came, jumped in, They flew in there with the smoke. You still couldn't see anything. They jumped in and hiked over and woke up. And I was just like, hey, there's still people alive. You pick up the pace, please. I didn't say that last part, but uh, that was (laughs) that was intended. But yeah, then uh, Brian walked around in front of me and he was like, oh, we're here with the National Guard. We're going to get you out. I'm like, great. Now do it. Come on. But they were the sweetest guys. They, They kept up with me the whole recovery time, but they were able to get me out and airlifted back to Anchorage. And I talked to them later and they were like, yeah, you were, um, you were circling the drain. I'm like, what's that mean? They're like, you know, when you let the water out of a bathtub and everything's just picking up speed as it gets closer and closer to going down, that was you. You were really, really, really bad shape. Found out after I kind of came to some consciousness in the ICU, I broke, well, I shattered both ankles really bad uh, muscle ligament burst. So probably lost, well, I know I lost a lot of blood that I didn't even know about. Fractured my femur in two places, completely cracked in half. 
it's epic x-rays best x-rays ever <laughs> and um i also had broken my left wrist which i fell asleep on like an idiot and had also fractured my spine so that part also had four spinal cord tears which rendered me pr pretty much yeah i was paralyzed from the waist down i was an l1 tear and the doctors were like you're probably not going to walk again mm. and it may come back because it was a tear, not a cut, but we can't promise anything. So you're just going to have to get used to life, not walking, not mm. having any function below the waist. And I was like, no, that, that, that can't be possible. Like, I love to salsa dance. I love to ballroom dance. Like, that's what I love to do. And I'm going to dance again. And they're like, mm -hmm, that's very sweet. Uh, how much we give you some more drugs? So that was the beginning of the recovery was just kind of realizing truly how beat up I was. How beat I didn't, up you really were. I didn't yeah. quite realize that, of course, when I was in the plane, I'm just thinking, okay, the guys are going to come. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'll patch a few broken bones. I'll be good. Yeah. And it was, it was way worse. Way worse. Well, okay. So Joy, a couple things I want to just underscore for the listeners here is, you know, you, you literally were smashed into a mountain you had three people who passed away all around you. You were close to passing away yourself, circling the drain yourself. And, you know, what I'm hearing is through it all, you were maintaining like an awareness of everything is going to be okay. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about that, especially, you know, what you said at the beginning about hearing, like you heard you'll be okay. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you're enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're welcoming thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world. I do have to actually ask for help again on another thing here. Uh, in addition to considering making a donation, if you know anybody in Wyoming, out of all of the countries, we have 94 countries who are listening and uh, the entire United States, except for Wyoming. So if you know anybody in Wyoming, have them download, rate and review so that we can add Wyoming to our map. And I want to say a big shout out this week to our listeners in Alaska. We might as well shout out to our listeners in Alaska, our listeners in Virginia, and our listeners in Argentina. And we will be right back with Joy Cooper. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life 
of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Joy. If you have any interest in bringing Joy to your either next corporate event or to any of your tele-events, if you have tele-summits or any other kind of event where you're looking for somebody to bring their motivational and inspirational story, uh, Joy is keynote speaking now. And, you know, it's on the side. She is still working full time for United, but she is definitely in a place in her journey where she wants to bring this story to more people and where she wants to inspire and motivate others to know that even in the most fateful of crashes and even with the most fateful of diagnoses, that there is hope and there is possibility for recovery, and she is living embodiment of that. So you can find out more about Joy at her link tree, which we will have for you in the show notes. It's a link tree link where you want to go to L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Joy Cooper. We will, as I said, have that for you in the show notes. So if you're looking for a great motivational speaker to book, why don't you consider Joy? quite the story she has. So Joy, we've got a few minutes left in our time together. So in this last little section of time, what I really want to go into now is I want to talk about, first of all, like, could you give us a little bit more about this voice that came to you and said, you're going to be okay? And what was it either internally or from, you know, from your own life that allowed you to navigate through this entire tragedy while at the same time keeping this positive mental attitude? I would say uh, it wasn't so much a voice as like a feeling. I mean, we always learn you have the still small voice of God that just kind of speaks to every part of who you are, you know, whether you actually hear it or not, or it's something that you just hear in your soul. Uh, I believe that's more what it was, but whatever it was, my soul and my heart understood it. And honestly, I forgot about it for a couple of weeks. The first few weeks I was in ICU emergency room. Uh, it was just, a. Uh, honestly, I don't remember the first week hardly at all. I remember blips. But after that, I was like, wait a second. The Lord said I was going to be okay. And what part of this is okay? Like, what part of being paralyzed and having three enormous external fixators screwed into my limbs and three wound vacs and being told I'm never going to walk again? Like, how is that okay? And that's something that I, I struggled to learn throughout the whole process. And I quickly learned, you know what? I'm alive and I am still able to bless others with my story, with my words, with my actions. I am still able to be a very viable person. Like I, I lost no viability. I'm still here. I'm still able to live a very fulfilled life that's able to impact other people. And so I am okay. I'm actually better than okay. Like God's given me an amazing story that I can share with other people about overcoming things that they would think would be impossible. And that was something that I kind of was trying to really learn through. And I mean, I've, I've been a Christian my whole life and it's one of those things where, you know, really nothing comes to test it because you've been there for a while. 
And then just kind of experiencing firsthand God's grace. Like I never should have survived that plane crash. And there were a few other things that threatened to cause some trouble uh, during recovery that, you know, God was able to get me out of and save that. And I believe through experiencing his grace, it gave me the ability to have grace for myself for recovery and also grace for other people, because I'm a very motivated person. Like you can ask anyone I went to college with or have ever worked with. I'm uh, one of the guys used to call me a machine because I love what we call irregular operations in the airlines. Whenever everything's like just really hit the pits, you got bad winter storm, like we're getting ready to have this week. It's something that I love because I can do it and I enjoy it and other people hate it. And so that makes me enjoy it more. So when I had that mentality and now all of a sudden I'm like, I can't move half of me. Like no matter how much I try, I can't do it. And for one, it it made me keep trying, which I'm happy to tell I can walk. And uh, I have actually gone dancing recently. It's it's clumsy, but uh, it works. Like I've had some amazing doctors and amazing prosthetic orthopedic sort of guys that have really helped with that journey but is that determination? But also I would make goals. And I told my boss, I'll be back to work in two months. And he goes, take your time. You're going to need it. And I'm like, what? I just broke a few bones. Like, it's not a big deal. I'll be back to work in two weeks or two months. And I didn't go back to work for a year, but instead of letting that get me down, I just learned how to change my goals. Mm -hmm. Like I would make, I want to be able to move my foot this much. Oh, oops. Well, it's not moving. Okay. Well, let's make another goal or let's, let's extend the time and really kind of gave myself grace to miss those marks while still holding myself accountable to keep trying and making different goals based on how I physically could meet those goals, not based Mm. on how me pre the accident could have met those goals, Mm. how me now and how I am was able to meet those. And I found that was really, really beneficial to kind of take a huge, enormous problem and just break it into tiny little chunks and give myself the ability to miss those chunks, but keep plugging away at it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's made a huge difference in my mindset towards the recovery and being able to help other people be like, look, it's, it's a big problem. You can't lie. It's, it's a big deal, but you can overcome it yeah. by making it smaller. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> How you eat well, an elephant, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I definitely want to uh, underscore that little last piece about really more importantly about the giving grace and really about being real with yourself that you aren't you're not the same before the accident. You had all of the use of everything. And after the accident, you had very little use of anything. And so you know what I'm hearing there is how important it is not only to do the small, the baby steps and, and give yourself grace for those baby steps that you don't make such that you continue to stay motivated and at the same time, stay out of denial. Right. So it's, I think that's really important that I, I want to underscore. And this is something that is important for anybody who is navigating any kind of crash, right? The airplane crash is a metaphor for any kind of crash. You could have a crash in business. You could have a crash in your personal relationships. You could have a crash in your parenting. You could have a crash in in many, many areas of your life. And how do we recover 
not only how do we recover, but how do we accept, right? That's the other thing that I'm hearing is that there was a sense of acceptance that needed to come as well. So we've only got a few minutes left, Joy. So in the last like two or three minutes that we have, first of all, how long has it been since the accident? Number one. And number two is like, what would you say was essential for you in terms of a support system that allowed you to keep pressing forward towards your goals and giving yourself grace at the same time? So it's been almost two and a half years since the accident. It was in June of 2019. And my support group, honestly, I had an amazing support group. I was so blessed, like my coworkers, my family, uh, even the nurses, the majority of all the nurses were amazing. Those that were not, I was not afraid to fire because I needed someone who could get me, who could understand and knew that I wanted to push those limits and would encourage me in that. And a lot of the doctors, as much as they would come in and say, we don't know how this is going to work, uh, especially my neurosurgeon who fixed the spine and worked with the spinal cord. He never said, you're not going to. He would give me a look like, you're a little crazy, but he would never say you're never going to walk again. Give up on your dreams. Uh, I had one doctor who was like, you know, this is just not going to work. We need to just put a rod up your ankle, fix it, make it not move. You're not going to dance anyway. So who cares? Like you're not even going to be able to move your legs. And with him, I, I was a little bit tougher because I'm like, no, we're not going to do that until I see that you understand that I'm going to be able to walk again. I know I'm going to be able to. and I eventually I saw the light bulb go off in his head as he was like, all right, well, let's just see how well your ankles, let's see if you can move your leg. And when I moved it, he was like, whoa, I didn't think he could. And it was then I saw like the light bulb go off of, let me see what we can do. Honestly, we eventually did the original recommendation, but I wanted to know that he had gone through all the different steps of what could have done or what could have been better. And I basically would listen to the positive. And whenever there was a negative, I'd just be like, eh. <laughs> like, it's possible, but I'm going to just log it in the way back by old cabinet of my brain. Like, I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to dwell on what I can feel because I could feel possible movement. I could feel nerves. And I wanted to explore that aspect of, of getting back into it again. Beautiful. So I... Yeah. Beautiful. Well, the last piece there is that I want to underscore is that you advocated for yourself and you didn't take the proclamations of the experts and say, oh, well, then I just, you know, this is it. You were an advocate for yourself and you directed your own recovery is what it sounds like. So, oh, yeah, you beautiful. have to. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, Joy. Well, it has been an incredible pleasure having you here today and hearing your story. And I hope our listeners just are able to take from this conversation. I mean, this woman literally hit a mountain in a fatal crash two and a half years ago and just recently was dancing again. So we really want to celebrate you, Joy, for being graceful with yourself and being committed to your healing and coming to our platform to inspire and motivate our listeners. So listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember you are a wonderful woman. 
Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.